welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I have something a bit different for you today. I'll explain in the next few minutes, and then let you eavesdrop on part of a conversation I had recently with Judith, my accountability partner, now good friend. Do you know about accountability partners? Basically, they're people doing something similar to you, usually business-wise, and you team up with them to keep you both on track. You both set goals, and a week or two later, you check in with each other to see if you've completed your goals, or explain why not. (laughs) And then you do it again. For the first few months, it can be a little grueling, explaining to a stranger why you haven't completed a goal, or bearing your soul as you set new stretch goals for your business. But after a few months, and especially after a few years, you get to know each other really well. The formalities all drop off and you become friends. You get to hear about selves and families and issues and neighborhoods. You know, all the stuff real-time friends talk about over a glass of wine. I've had two accountability partners over the years. One is now simply a friend. No business to discuss, but we still talk once a week, and neither of us would miss it for the world. Judith and I are still on track with the business accountability, but we both qualify as senior citizens. Imagine those air quotes. So that is a topic of conversation, especially regarding the Canadian government. I'm not going to go into too many details here and now. But stay tuned as the gray ruckus adventure builds. So, the Canadian government and the way it treats its senior citizens. We're 15 months into the pandemic, so the most obvious thought here is the senior lives lost due to COVID-19 in care facilities. In fairness, a lot of those jurisdictions are provincially mandated, but the tragedy is of such a scale that I think the feds need to get involved on some level. In B.C., where I live, I listened to our seniors' advocate on talk radio recently, and she did nothing but irritate me. After a career in residential facility care, I have a lot to say on the matter, and I'm not sure that advocate would appreciate some of the things I might say. As a non-resident Canadian, Judith has been dealing with several things over the couple of years we've been talking. The most immediate issues are one provincial, one federal. I might sound a little cryptic, and I apologize, but we're just beginning our grey ruckus journey, and I don't want to misspeak on Judas' issues. Stay tuned now as I queue up our recent conversation. Um, I don't go. I don't want to bore you or anybody else forever, including myself in this whole tax situation. <laughs> Honestly, I have been spending hours. 
sweating over this, you know, how to handle this. And my accountant, who doesn't have much experience in non-residents and out-of-the-country residency categories, um, he's been spending time on the phone and not getting any information. So finally, I said to him, you know, I think the real issue is I missed that deadline and they're just going to do whatever they can to say you're a bad girl and you're going to have to pay all this and we're going to reclassify you and all the rest of it, which, of course, they have the right to do. Well, know? except that how are you supposed to submit documents on time when they don't allow flights to land from well, that that tends to be. I've written this letter. It took me two days this week to write the letter, which I faxed to him last night. And faxed? he is, or I, no, I scanned it and I sent it by email to him. And he is going to fax it on my behalf. But you know, that, that, that was kind of interesting to do it, except that I had to work so hard to, to not be nasty, but to be as strong about my objections. And to point out that I, I felt they were entirely wrong to be so adamant about this. I mean, what's the magic about a missed deadline? What they said was the normal deadline for my category was the end of June. Mm-hmm. They extended the deadline. How did I know they extended any deadline? I couldn't get into the site to get any messages. And they didn't send me any, any notice, you know. To go into the site to see, but they usually do. And, um, you know, they extended it to September 1. And just because of my personal responsibility, I paid a lot of money to send that by Federal Express in November to my son just to get it there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, and I mean, similarly, when I was filing mine this year now, I always go into the website to make sure I have got all of the forms that like all of my income forms, whether it's my, you know, the, the T's going around my pensions or investments, whatever. And I received, well, two things is first of all, to go in and get that stuff. There was nothing to say, you know, cause they've been blocking people and saying, you've got to redo everything. They, I got bounced out and bounced out and bounced out so many times that I finally went, well, you know, one of the things they say when you first start to go into the website, the Canada Revenue website, is change your, is it your username and password often? Well, I, I don't care to change my username, thank you, but okay, I will change password because I understand that's important. So I go in and I change my password finally because I don't know what else to do and boom, I'm in. Oh, okay, thank you. And then I get a notice from them saying, you know, you've got mail. <laughs> so, yeah, well, of course, said, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I know that it's going to be telling me how much money they want. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I go through the same thing again. And it's just like, make it, don't make it so difficult for people yeah. to, to, to go in and, and do what they need to do. And, you know, if Canada Revenue of all people can't figure out internet security, holy crap, what's the hope for the rest of us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, the thing that really bothered me was I didn't get, you've got mail, I didn't get any notice that I should be checking the site. eh? When I did check the site, I couldn't get in. When I tried to call the number, I couldn't get through. My accountant, three and four hours on Oh, you know, and and then of course, 
the category that insists that I do a return on paper, an actual paper return. Okay, so it has to be mailed. <laughs> so, you know, how stupid is all of this? Anyway, I um. I got uh, busy yesterday and this morning driving myself crazy. I was going to write, as I told you, and thank you for the information about Bob Hamilton. I was going to send my son, I got him all prepped to do this, uh, just to I'll email him a letter to Bob Hamilton, and he would send it registered mail. And then this morning, sweating away here for an hour and a half, <laughs> I was sweating. Over this letter, and finally I said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. Because let's just go with the one I've already faxed, that Mike will fax for me to the other division and see what pops up. Because if I go the other route, you know, do I make somebody mad? Do I get, get you know, stir up a hornet's nest? And, you know, I can't be bothered anymore. Well, except it, you know. We're right back to that square one that I used to say, and I'm sure you said about your parents, was that, oh, my God, you know, like doctors, teachers, lawyers, you do not argue with them. That's right. You know, and I'm sorry, but sometimes you need to question these people. You know, they, they are not the be all and end all. And yet no. they're putting us back in that position. And And is it because we're senior citizens? Is it because... We now yeah. we're over sixty five, so we present as stupid. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I I don't get it, and things are going to have to change, you know, <laughs> on a go forward basis because yeah. far brighter people than you and I are hitting those golden years that they're tarnishing yes. like crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? I thought too. Well, I'm just going to concentrate on on writing this co article, co writing this article with. With Agnes, and you know, it might help some other people along the line. It, it would have helped me too 20 years ago, but you know, really and truly, it is true the Canadian government is failing its senior population. So, well, I find that life in general is failing its senior population. Yes. Now, yes. for example, this morning I what was I trying to get into? Oh, to rebook. Now, I, I had my fi my Pfizer shot early because I work with the frail elderly. So yes. unbeknownst to me now, they're saying, my daughter just happened to spot something in one of the groups she was in, saying, if you booked your, your first shot before April 6th, you now have to go on again to the website and rebook in order to get your second one, to make sure you're registered for the second one. So I went, well, beats me. But so anyways, I go online to book my, to make sure I'm registered for my second shot because I had my first one in March and I get stuck in that loop. You know where you have to click the box that says I'm not a robot. And then yeah. there's a little box comes up to say, click all the buses. So I click a bus. Oh no, this is how you verify a Google Doc. Yeah, like anything that, yeah. So I click yeah. that bus, it fades out and another bus might come up. I click another bus, it fades out and a car comes up. I click another bus. I finally finish clicking all the buses, click done or finished or enter or whatever it was. And 
I get another box up and I have to identify all the bicycles. So I identify all the bicycles, I click done, and then I have to identify all the stairs. I click that, it disappears, I get this little spinning wheel and I get a box that says verify you're not a robot. I did that approximately six times and they still did not believe I was not a robot. So I phoned in. And of course, then you get stuck in the phone tree. Finally got a person who took all my information and basically sent me a registration number, which means I now just wait for an invitation to re-register. So I said, I have a question. I said, I have a client that I booked for on April 6th. Is she in the system or do I need to rebook? And she said, well, have her phone in again and just make sure she's registered. I said, I I can't do, she can't do that because she's totally blind and she's in her 90s. She's quite frail. Thinking, can I not just do this for her? I have all of her information because it was me that booked her the first time. And it's like, no, go on to the website and do it there. And I said, okay, so you want me to get stuck in that I'm not a robot circle again? And she just, you know, like, so basically that was the end of that. So just out of curiosity, because I was waiting for a process on the computer, I kept on, I kept in that loop of I'm not a robot. I don't know how many times until I was so, so ticked off that I just closed the window. But, you know, so so there's that. Yesterday, I'm working frail, another frail elderly woman in a wheelchair there is not a sidewalk that I could find that was built for a wheelchair. We're either over every joint or I'm holding onto that wheelchair so tightly so it doesn't veer off into traffic or whatever. And it's just like, really? Why can I'll volunteer? And I said this about my mother and Courtney. I will volunteer to take her scooter down ramps or let you take her scooter down the ramps to see if this curb ramp actually works for a scooter. It's great to say you're doing it. You're making things accessible, but you you didn't test it with anybody, you know? So I'm sorry. There's something about getting older that just really messes with society. Apparently your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, that makes for a good, I'm going to remember that. You know that expression, getting old sex? Well, it ain't for People people say that, you know, being funny. But when we write this article, maybe I will slip in something about the Canadian government makes sure for its senior population that getting old sucks. Well, you and I have had this discussion before. We are a northern climate. In the mildest of mild Victoria, where I live, this winter, I was on snowshoes because they have grips. Because, you know, and yeah, yeah, I've got a bad knee, but I'm pretty agile compared to a lot of people out there. Because they had grips, because nobody could clear the sidewalks or the streets in my neighborhood. We're just not prepared. So why not? make it easier for me to go join you for the the winter months so that they don't end up with me in hospital 
because they don't accommodate me in any way, shape, or form during the winter. Yeah, you know yeah. that that's the one one of the um, sections I think to to show where the the government is failing at senior citizens by putting restrictions in place for them to to be in a place or do things that are good for them to maintain their their health. And that would be one of them, you know, going away for whatever extended time they want in the year to a climate that is good for their health without saying that you're going to use, lose your medical insurance up here if you stay away. You know. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, I mean, from what you've said on a few issues, it's medical care is probably cheaper in some of these warmer climates. It definitely is. So it saves Even them money. When they are charging a, a large prices because they think you are a foreigner. Mm -hmm. I went to the dentist. I had this tooth extracted. Okay. Okay. It cost me 2,000 pesos. And I went, ah, because 2,000 pesos means a lot for me for what I can buy for 2,000 pesos here. But do you know what that is in uh, Canadian dollars? Divide no. by 40. Divide by 40? Yeah. Canadian pesos, 40 pesos to the dollar. Divide 2,000 pesos by 40. What do you have? I don't know. It's either 50 or 500. My head's not working this morning. No, it's, it's $50. It's $50 our money. Because even at $500, that would be cheap up here. So $50, yeah. <laughs> is what it costs. To the, one of the two best dentists in town. Yeah. $50. There's no way I would have had that tooth extracted for less. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, God. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, when I found out that I had this little tiny pension coming from one of my jobs and they said, you know, do you want extended medical? Do you want extended dental? And I clicked the buttons thinking the boxes thinking, yeah, I might as well, because I'm only going to get older. You know, I'm perfectly healthy. Yeah. But even what I'm paying with the extended can be ridiculous. So yeah. why not encourage seniors who are starting to be apparently were a burden on the system up here. Yeah. Let us yeah. go elsewhere. And, and it's what we've discussed also before is that it, they, they see our income tax forms every year. We are not mm. all wealthy multi-million dollar Canadians living abroad because saying, it's fun to what do. What you say is the average of retirement income. Do you have any source for that that I can research? Average income of current retirees, and it wouldn't be too hard to say what that that might be in ten years or twenty years coming. I know that I'm getting three pensions, and mm -hmm. that is not enough to live on. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe if I were to move to a really super tiny town, I might be able to rent. Yes, but just even CPP. And I mean, you can find out what the average CPP is. And of course, OAS is a standard rate for everybody across the board. So, yeah. you know, like a, a guarantee, most Canadians who are living off their pensions are probably making less than 1500 a month on those two pensions. 
maximum if they had a fairly good job they might have might be making up to two grand a month which still isn't very much when you know like rent is better part of two grand in most places you see my my total about two thousand six hundred a month yeah all right but if you take 25% of it and the withhold taxes, and then because they've said I'm a definitely a non-resident, they, they will just keep all of that. They won't even give me any of that back. So even though you're saving the system money, they say screw you. Oh, well, yeah, because it's like, it's like six, $650 they're going to withhold. And I may or may not get any of that back. Yeah. And that's a, a terrible hit, even oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there is a lot cheaper to be in a place like this for medical care for if you have to have uh, extra things because the medical insurance you get here very often does only pays up to a certain point and you still have to pay over and above. I had to pay out of pocket for the surgery to take that little oh, right. yeah. carcinoma thing off. And the reason I got it for as little as this is because the doctor found a way to make sure I had to be admitted for it. So I was admitted surgery patient, okay. Oh, as opposed to a day surgery. Yeah. Well, I went in for the day and I came yeah. home, but I was admitted as opposed there was something else. Yeah. I paid 15,000 pesos for that total. That included his, his stipend, right? God. So if I divide that by a 40, slightly less than $400. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I go to get my hair done. Went last week and I gave her a thousand pesos for color, cut, and blow dry. So that is maybe $20 a bit. If I get a manicure and pedicure both together, it's about 700 pesos. So you see, these are these are all things that you could say, okay, you don't need those. <laughs> you know, you don't need those. Except that's not true because you have to take very good care well, of Well, but also it's quality of life. I'm sorry. I could live in these one outfit for the next five years too, but I choose not to. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. so, so if you're not going to give – your senior citizens a living stipend after they've contributed to the system for, you know, 60 years or whatever, say 50 years, then make it easy for them to go live somewhere that will love them. And you can, they can get all their services, their quality of life services for a reasonable amount of money. You know, it's, uh, and, and it's even like the GIC, GIS, Guaranteed Income Supplement. It's like that is embarrassing. You know, uh-huh. like, oh, you're a low-income senior. Uh, le- let's give you another $22 a month. Oh, good. Uh-huh. You know, if I go to the right place, I can buy a pizza. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> it's it's 
Yeah. yeah, because there's all these other things, too. Now, I'll tell you about this day I had Wednesday with my friend Yvonne. She's my Friday night dinner companion, but this time we decided we wanted to do something a little more, a little different. So we went out to a beach called the Burgantine Beach. That was kind of an adventure because we knew there was some kind of a restaurant out there, but we didn't know exactly. And uh, except that the guy out there did feed tour groups. And um, But it is an area that once had a lot of people living on it, but the government took them all out because they had development plans, which never materialized. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we, we went, and we went on this road, and it went forever. Even the taxi driver didn't really know that we were on the right road, you know, and he would keep looking nervously around, and I kept making remarks and laughing, but... <laughs> <laughs> because I get the it's getting more jungly all the time. <laughs> and pirates you know, Then I would say to Yvonne, who's sitting in the front seat, I would say, I wish I want you to be relieved because as much as we seem to be veering toward the east, we always correct and veer a little bit more to the west. <laughs> <laughs> it was so However, it turned out to be the absolute gem of a day. The restaurant was <laughs> very, very tacky, okay? But it was there at the most beautiful beach with nothing else on it except some little tiny Jola, little rowboat, you know, <laughs> fishing boats in the water. And um, it was kind of pricey, the meal. But as I'm going to tell you, we both had a fresh pina colada, a ripe, whole, real <laughs> pina colada from the Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Those each cost 500 pesos. They say maybe 10, but 10, $10, 10, yeah, $10 Canadian. But where are you going to get that in Canada? Then our dinner, which we could have shared because it was Dorado fish steaks, two plus a salad, plus tostones, which is a fried plantain, plus some um, moro con guandulis, which is rice and the little tiny beans they use. And that was that was 700 pesos each. You know, we said, oh, it's going to be really high, the cost, but I said, next time we'll know to share. But good to see, he's saying, you know, that's $510 for this wonderful pineapple drink. And then a dinner like this? 700 pesos divided by 40. <laughs> it's not even yeah. $20. All right. So, I mean, it goes on and on. There's lots of things like that that make you can still have a lovely life without it costing a whole lot of money. And if you read anything about Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico areas, you know, they, they do this rundown of, of yeah. what you're going to live on. It's all around. You know, two people for 2500 U.S. and stuff like that. And in Panama, they have a, um, I forget what they call it, it's a pensionada program. They want you there. So they give you all these special deals and they give you a special um, medical, good medical services. Yeah, they want and you yet there. if you say to the Canadian government, you know, I could be far happier, far safer here, um, and they say, oh, you're going to leave this cold country with you know expensive services uh, then be gone with you and it just doesn't make sense one thing like getting back to the medical thing is one theory i've always had is especially in the day of freaking computers that we've got nowadays 
why not keep track of everything I do that costs, like medically speaking, that costs the government money? And this is for everybody, and it's not hard to do. You know, I've got a PHM, so just plug it in. And then at the end of the year, say you have cost us, you know, whether it's provincially or federally, you have cost us, I don't know, $25,000. Given your income, you are responsible for none of it, 5% of it. 50%, 50%, like whatever on a sliding scale. So if somebody is, yeah, making a couple of million a year because of investments or life mm-hmm. or whatever, then fine. They, they get to pay back the government for that $25,000 worth of expenditures. As a low income senior, you're off the hook for all of it. No. You know, and they could do it both here yeah. and where you live. You know, it's just yeah. like, yeah. See, the other thing, too, depends on how they allow me to do my return is I can either claim medical expenses if they're in Canada or if I claim medical expenses here, depending on how they classify me, they might not allow any of that. Yeah, but what, even what they allow you to claim is ridiculously low. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I think it's single single digit percentages. I can't even remember now. I haven't done my own income tax recently. But I was starting this letter to this guy about, you know, my personal, professional experience has included setting, creating and implementing systems for healthcare and uh, workplace uh, health and safety. And that's true. <laughs> and I know the dangers of, with all good intentions, creating a system that's going to be standardized and to which everybody will have access. But it happens that a lot of people fall through the cracks. And this is one example of me, you know, <laughs> this time at the ER system. But you know what? I'd like to, when we do this uh, article, maybe we'll do a series and keep pumping them out on LinkedIn. Yeah, just see, why doesn't the government creates uh, they t- put create a task force about everything else like there are so many they smart- do have, they, they have a group of people that are supposed to be concerned with <laughs> health services for canadian seniors but, I forget but what they uh, call it do we know about that generally speaking or is it only when we get all fired up and go looking for it that we might be able to find it yeah it is. that's the group that has 12 spots and only four people are still on it And you never do it, yeah. And I'm back. I mentioned Judith was non-resident, living in a lovely locale, but she's still a Canadian and only one of many who live abroad. Did some of her cost-of-living stats shock you? I was stunned. Made me want to pack up and move. Government be damned. I'm putting those numbers in the show notes if you want to check them out again. Now, we discussed pensions, and I'm going to put all the federal government links in the show notes as well. But I did do some research after we talked, and here are the grim numbers. Every old age pensioner in Canada is eligible to receive $618.45 a month if you meet the requirements. That's the OAS, Old Age Security. CPP, the Canada Pension Plan, 
is based on your work history and income earnings during those work years. The average payment for new beneficiaries in 2021 was $738.58. The maximum payment, so if you earned a really good salary over the course of your work years, is $1,203.75. If you add those numbers together, a senior citizen in Canada maxes out at under two grand a month. And more likely, I hate to break this to you, but you're probably under the $1,500 a month. The government tries to be generous and offers a guaranteed income supplement, the GIS. If you're single and getting only the OAS, the Old Age Security, the government tops that up by $923.71 a month. So you have $1,542.16 to live on each month. If you earn that average CPP, of $738.58 a month, that gives you an annual income of $8,862.96 a year, and the feds will top that up by $419.71 a month, and you're now rolling in dough, living on $1,776.74 a month. So $1,776.74 a month. And I don't know about you, but that barely covers my rent. I did a quick search for cost of living in Canada, and I will emphasize the word quick here. But here's what I read, and I quote, The cost of living in Canada varies from city to city. However, the national average cost of living for a single person is estimated at 2730 per month. And that article was dated January 2020. And okay, <laughs> um, you know, I think I've ranted enough for today. If you're interested in keeping track of Judith and my Grey Ruckus journey, email me at agnes at greyruckus.ca, and I'll add you to our list. We may contact you for some input, too, if that's okay. And yes, you can maintain your anonymity. Thanks so much for tuning in to Two Boomer Women today. I won't often hijack the episode like I did today, but this is important, and someone has to start the ball rolling. At our age, we have to choose a cause to defend, and, well, this is mine. I'm back to a regular guest interview next week, and my guest will not disappoint. She's lovely and interesting and will help you handle your stress. Perhaps I should sign up myself. Remember to check out our new feature, Manly Monday. It started the last Monday of May and will be a monthly feature on a go-forward basis. Thanks again. Have a great rest of the week.